0: All righty, back out of here on The Fan. It is Jonathan Piddle with you guys. Hope you guys are enjoying your Monday. Now, as we always do at this time, let's get to The Fan Focus. All right, leading us off, it's going to be Nick and Dustin on Cade York after a less-than-stellar preseason game number two. Could it go wrong? Yes. Could we be watching it in real
1: time go wrong? Yes. But we already had it out for this kid in the first place—that he wasn't—he was—he didn't live up to his draft billing last year. And again, seventy-five percent of field goal percentage is not good enough. That's we also fair. missed a bunch of PATs. He actually had like ninety-six percent uh, PAT, ninety-four point five percent. That's what he missed two, three. Wait, wait, no two. So that, thats pretty doable for kickers. Nobody around him actually had a better extra point percentage until you get up to Legatron. So I I'm not saying it's not going wrong. I'm just saying the the immediate reaction every time this kid kicks of uh, replace him. Okay, to what end? Because anybody you get right now, you can get Jake Moody, who's who might get cut in San Francisco. Okay, he's a former third round pick that hasn't lived up to the billing. So you're just trading your Cade York for somebody else's Kate York. I'm not I, I,
2: honestly I don't really give a rip who it is. I want them to make kicks. And I do. The team is, like I've said before, too talented for it to come down to a kicker.
1: Yep. Um, but we're not going to know till you get him in the regular season. So I think, I think, I think, panicking prematurely by yeah, moving I'll, on I'll, from I'll,
2: him. I'm just telling you, if you can't make him in the preseason, you ain't going to make him in the regular season.
1: I mean, it happens all the time. The guys struggle in the preseason, and they go out and they're fine in the regular season. It does? Yeah, we just don't pay enough attention to it because they're kickers, and we only think of kickers when they are absolute ass, or Justin Tucker. Everybody in between is like, uh, he's good, I guess. (laughs) Like, we only pay attention to kickers, similar to offensive linemen, when it's really good or really bad.
0: Yeah, kickers are just treated differently. You could be having a great season and have one bad game where you miss three kicks and you're just cut. They're treated like how we treat milk that has gone bad. The moment it's bad, it's just, it's bad. There's no bringing sour milk back to being good same thing with kickers. They, it, for some reason, they're looked at like damaged goods. Roberto Aguayo is the best example here. Second round pick, missed nine kicks his first year, was cut after missing a kick in preseason game number one in what would have been his second year, never got back. When you look at his pro football reference page for what is the one of the best college kickers the game has ever seen, you get one season and that's it. I don't know that Cade York deserves more than one season. If Roberto Aguayo two rounds ahead of him, got cut at basically the same point that Cade York is at right now. You know, when the milk's gone bad, the milk's gone bad. The question the Browns have, and I think this is why this is different, is that Roberto Aguayo was also missing kicks in practice. Cade York isn't missing uh, kicks in practice. I think that's the alarming, weird part of this, is that you're like, I I don't want to give up on him. He's Babe Ruth in practice. I I can't just throw that away, so what do you do? with well, the Browns, they got to figure it out. Maybe get him over at First Energy kicking a little bit more. Probably would have helped him out there as well. All right, Ken and Lima on Anthony's trip to Chicago. Here we go. It'll be okay. I know that the drive was hellish. I told you about us taking
3: Axel to Pittsburgh. I told you about us taking Axel back from, from Myrtle Beach. It, you know, it, it does get better.
4: Even with that, another one coming?
3: Yes. I swear to God, it does, hmm. because honestly, they start to pay attention to each other and they start to play with each other. I'm telling you right now, they you know will what? occupy each other's time. I'm telling you right now, they will occupy I, each other's time. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, man. I promise you.
4: I we, promise we you. We came home from Chicago after, and we were only there two nights, and we drove there, we drove back, and it was constant stress, and of course, my wife is pregnant, so getting her through the emotions of having that situation play out. And having us have to take turns all weekend, being able to go to these mm-hmm. events. So it was mm-hmm. her brother. Uh, congratulations to Jake, getting married in Chicago. Um, it was so stressful that I don't know that we ever want to travel again. Like, that could be it with the baby.
3: We didn't go, no, we went to Myrtle and came back, and Axel was one. And, I mean, he was just a tremendous he – was, he was the worst crier of the family. Of all three boys, he was – and he was the first, and he was the worst. And he cried that that time coming back from Myrtle. That was one of the most trying trips I've ever had in my life. And our best friends were with us on that trip. And I mean, they could not have been more patient. And I, because I was like, I can't believe you guys are dealing with this. I'm about to lose my mind. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sad. But then I'm telling you, we, we, then we had Eli. Well, Liz had Eli. I just looked pregnant. Um, Liz had Eli, and once he could kind of give a return on investment, they've just occupied each other's time since. <laughs> and then Jonah was just an addition. Done yeah. With the spur of the moment. yeah. All
4: right, let's have a. Thought. But I, I think I think it's the the sanitizing of bottles while you're on the road, the packing of extra coolers, and I'm looking at the hotel room. Oh, too, you won't care. Look at the amount of stuff we have for this. It is a chore to do anything. Yeah, you'll get that'll that'll start to go out the window. Oh, you, you just won't care anymore. Yeah. I didn't care. Just rinse it out. There you go. Yep. Throw it back yep. in circulation. There was no, yep, that's what we did. Well, I that's what we did. It. Believe me, if it were up to me, we asked about how much power Stefanski's gained in four years. I know how much power I've gained in the last three years in this relationship, and the answer is zero.
3: Well, hey, remember, you're talking to the guy, I don't know my own bank codes. I don't know I don't know how much I make. I don't know what we pay in taxes. I don't know what bills are. Liz takes care of all that. She has. A, if I ever ran a follow Liz, she could ruin my life
0: man i was riding such a high did a quick quick trip four different flights because nothing in cleveland is a direct flight i hate that but it's true and uh went to kansas city over the weekend for my niece's second birthday party we had four flights in total with my six-month-old and she was a rock star we left saturday morning we came back sunday night she got an a plus on all four trips she didn't cry she slept a lot she ate a lot she didn't cry My wife did a fantastic job of getting her all ready to go, though. She was all ready. She was set. She had game plans. And I was like, well, okay. I'm not worried about the... We got a a car ride coming up next week. We're going to Nashville for my brother-in-law's wedding. It's a very similar situation than what Lima was just talking about. I I wasn't worried about the car ride. I was worried about the planes. Car rides, I thought, would be easy. Now I'm back to being worried. I'm worried about the car ride now. But the thing with the car ride is that... And this is why I'm fine. If my baby loses it... Her mom's right there in the back seat. She'll be all right. But I'm not bothering anybody else in the process. I was worried about the plane because you don't want to be the family with the crying baby. Nobody wants to be the family with the crying baby. If I have a crying baby in the car and she's just bothering me so I can't listen to Morgan Wallen and Taylor Swift, I'll be okay. I promise you. I'll be okay. It's not a weird combo, by the way. Morgan Wallen and Taylor Swift is like the exact combo that people have. That's not weird about that combo at all. Side eyes over there. I there's perfect combo. But yeah, and I learned that over the weekend too. By the way, I learned that uh, when I don't have shows on Saturday or Sunday, and I I'm just in a car by myself for 40 minutes or with my wife and my baby, I just turn it into carpool karaoke. I'm just I'm singing nonstop, and I got to remind myself like, hey, you have a five hour radio show, tone it down, tone it down. We don't want to throw out the voice. All right, next up, Baskin and Phelps. As they go outside of the Browns, here we go.
4: Just sign a one-year every year. But things year happen with where after you, you
0: sign to. contracts, though, right? Sometimes you sign a contract doesn't mean you're signing over your life.
4: So what?
1: What if, if the uh, owner does something go, you to you? You don't want to play for, another, for anymore. You
4: want to go work for another place in town?
1: This isn't about me. This is about no, James No, it's about Harden. a contract. Yeah, but what it's happens? It's about if, a contract. Okay, so let's just say I'm just going to throw this out there. Let's say you sign a contract for somebody, and the ownership group does something unethical or wrong or you see something wrong and you're like you know what i know they pay me money i'm gonna go find a job somewhere else doing something else because i feel like i can't work for that company anymore the
4: philadelphia it's not a done anything unethical
1: well he's saying that he's a liar yeah because
4: they said they'd try and trade him they tried is there more to
1: it though or is that just what we're reporting in the media
4: andy you ever have a boss lie to you Certainly not the poobah or the I super I have poobah. every these boss guys, that I've ever had meals. has we, been great to we me. We love you guys.
1: They've never stabbed me in the back or ever, you know, gone against their word. Or they always have my back. Everyone.
4: Seriously. The guys, we work for it terrific.
1: Yeah, they are. But
4: we've all worked for people that you thought, man, that wasn't right. Guess what? If you sign a contract, you've got to work there.
0: Yeah, but it's not how the NBA is set up, though. The NBA isn't set up of, uh, oh, we signed a contract here. Let's, uh, let's report for work, and then let's put in the hours and do it. It's, it's not how it works. The NBA is about player empowerment, always has been, always will be. That's what makes the Dame Lillard situation so interesting. Dame's not getting what he wants. Most NBA players at this point get what they want. Dame's not getting what he wants. It's throwing the NBA ecosystem on its head. Uh, James Harden is probably befuddled by the fact that he has not gotten his wish. And that's why he's doing this in China as he's speaking out about the fact that he doesn't want to play for Daryl Morey because Daryl Morey is a liar. Do you want to know the quickest way to get off of a basketball team? Throw the GM under the bus and besmirch their name and who they are as a human. That's the quickest way to get out of a job in life in general and also in basketball. That's the quickest way to have that happen. So, listen, James is just trying to do what he's got to do in order to get off that team. Don't know why he hates it so much there. He was a borderline all-star last year. I think with Maxie, I think with Embiid. That window's closing in a couple years, but it's open right now. There's something he doesn't jive with, though. I don't know. I just look at Philly. It'd be so much better to play there than, let's say, Houston. (laughs) Nick and Dustin, as Dustin went to a comedy show over the weekend and was made to be the joke of the show. You loved it.
1: And you're like, what? Uh, you, but it was like, you got to understand, like the music was playing and the Shania Twain and then like, you know, it, it really it was like I was a piece of meat. And I was like, you liked it. <laughs> and by, so it took about four instances of you explaining what happened to you that night that by the end you were like, ah, you're right. I totally loved it. I loved it every second. Ah, I don't
2: know about that.
1: Oh, it's a, give me your first world problems there. You're so hot. She, and this comedian, invited you onto the stage to dance and look attractive. Ah, that's that's that happens to me all the time. Thank God I'm down a little weight, <laughs> dude. You thirty pounds up, still better than most of the guys she's gonna pull in the audience. How many men were uh, at the not show? Not many men in the audience. Yeah. So Becky
2: Robinson, of course, Friday night. By the way. So you actually House of Blues.
1: You actually probably did the right thing because if if you if she struck out with you, she was definitely. Good. If there are only six guys in the audience, chances I, I, by half the way, them are I baddies. had no
2: choice. What? Why? Does I mean, she have she, a gun? No. Something about security guards Love grabbed me by the arm. Yeah. Like she, she's like, get up here. I was wearing my uh, my Hugo Boss shirt and it said Boss on it. And she goes, Hugo Boss guy, come up here. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. And and then next thing you know, I got a security guard grabbing me, taking me backstage. And next thing you know, I'm on stage, and she goes, take your shirt off. This. Mm. One thing led to
1: another. You know what we're uh, figuring out here? What's that? How easy it is to get you to do anything. Yeah. Have a different take than me. You know, Nick, I disagree. Is this... Do I just have to get, like, some Shania Twain in the background? If Man, I want to encourage you? I feel like a woman. So just... That's what it's for For everybody, in case they didn't it see was your Instagram Whatever. You loved it, did
2: you? I don't know that I loved it, but it was... it was uh, it was
1: unique. I'm calling absolute BS on you right now.
2: Right, it's funny. So we did like the meet and greet. You gre-
1: smiled this whole segment, we, by we the way. We did the
2: meet and greet with her after. She's super cool. She actually was very funny. Uh, and and now I just saw on Instagram her like promo for the next show.
1: It's like a big picture of me in her with my shirt off. But you didn't love it. You sound like you hate it. Yeah, this sounds... I, I just... I might... I'm just wondering if I can get some like royalties out of this. I just... You kind of went I back just, there. Uh, your voice went up a few he octaves. A couple there. octaves. Uh, you know, I hated it, but it was also the best time of my life. Yeah. Got turned into Joe Paterno.
0: You <laughs> loved it. You know, he loved it. I, that's my biggest fear. Going to a, I love going to comedy shows. I do not want to be picked on. It ha, it's happened one time. It happened one time. My wife and I went to one of the big ones in New York. And this guy got on the stage. And he picked me out and then he tried making fun of me and my wife and doing all that type of stuff. And and then he was like, So what do you do for a living? And I was like, uh, I work in sports radio. And then he went down and he and he knew he knew someone that used to work at this radio station. And he pulled that person's name out and then said, Do you know him? I'm like, No, I don't know him. That guy was before me. And then it turned into a really boring conversation because I was I know how to shut down a convo. And I was not playing along at all. But he was like, he tried to make like a really personal convo there. And I'm like, this is not what we're doing here. You're supposed to bring the funny. Not at, my, not at my expense, please. Oh, I don't want that. I hate I hate the idea of being called on at a comedy show. Hate it. All right, next up, Ken and Lima on Deshaun Watson. When I said this
4: week that I expected him to look really, really good, uh-huh, I expected it to be in the passing game. Because he just took off and ran, and smartly so in all those situations. Like I had no problem with any of those those times that he decided to to tuck it and run. I think we got a chance to see that last year, so that's nothing new to me. His ability to run. Now I see what you're saying when it comes to confidence and looking, looking in command. But I think I want to see it in the passing game. And when he does it in the passing game, that's when I'll say, "Okay, Deshaun's back," because we did not see it in the passing game last well, year, I mean, with he, the exception of a couple passes he, against Washington. He was only able ironically to attempt, enough last. Year. He was only able to attempt three passes. Right. So I. I
3: if you're looking for it in the passing game, you're not going to get many opportunities. I just felt I saw well, body you... language wise. I'm, I'm not attacking you for that. I'm not saying you're being negative or anything like that. I understand where you're coming from, and you're allowed to have you're you're allowed to have different tastes. I get that, but I just felt I I saw a guy who was more in charge of the offense, more in charge of everything going on already in one preseason game than I did during any of the six games last year. It almost felt like he was a guest. Of the Cleveland Browns last Mm -hmm. year. And he was just trying to like... Like we always say like when when guys fill in for us and we're hosting with them, I'll just come out and say it. Like we go, what is your opinion on it? You're not just a placeholder. Go. You got to go. And I thought that he was just going. I I didn't think that he was just like, well, you know, we'll do the six games and things like that and that'll be whatever. I thought things were more put together. I wish they would have capped it off with a score. I know that was very annoying to a lot of fans, including myself. I get that totally. I'm totally with you guys on that. Wish it would have been capped off, but I just felt like he was much more in control of the offense. The offense was ready for him, better, better working with him. I, I thought that there were so many things that were better. I don't want to go crazy. That's why I'm not going to sit there and say 11 and six now instead of 10 and seven. I'm sticking to 10 and seven. But man, I felt a lot better after Friday night.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel a lot better too. And we're going to talk about it coming up next. But that is that was my big takeaway. Outside of the Cade York stuff, which obviously a lot of people wanted to discuss and wanted to talk about, feeling better about Deshaun Watson and the season now was my big takeaway. So I want to ask you guys, 216-474-0092, do you feel better about Deshaun and the season now that you watch preseason game number two? We're going to get to off the beaten path. It's going to be a little bit later on, around 10 o'clock or so. I want to get to do this Deshaun discussion with you guys and get to your phone calls and your reaction at and is how you find me on Twitter. But first, there is more to the preseason than the action on the field. Daryl Ryder, Andy Baskin, they prove it during their podcast. It's always game day in Cleveland. Sponsored locally by Smiley One and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's premier heating and cooling solution. Look for two fresh episodes each week at 923thefan.com or the Odyssey app. Uh, you saw uh, Alex Collins was a... I really liked him at Arkansas. thought he was a really good running back at Arkansas. He ended up going to a couple different places, obviously, uh, Seattle and Baltimore, and not, didn't really have the best of careers as far as uh, what you would think relative to – I mean, that's not, that's not fair to me to say. He was really good for one year in Baltimore, and then the rest of it just kind of he was what he was, right? That, that's probably the more accurate way to put it. I think he had a really good one year in Baltimore, and I really thought – At that point, he was going to take off and be a really consistent running back. But what happened to him is what happens to a lot of running backs. And this is where I feel bad, is that in discussing his career, he is the common story across the NFL when it comes to running backs. The truly tragic part of this story is that, uh, as we're seeing tonight in a lot of different places that put out there, Alex Collins has passed away. And it's just, I I don't understand why. I was listening to this interview with Mike Francesa and is obviously like the Pope of sports radio, and he used to tell, he used to. they asked him, like, what was your favorite thing in sports radio? Like, what was your absolute favorite thing in sports radio? And he said he loved talking about when people had died, and I'm having a miserable time talking about it. <laughs> if I can be honest about it, I, this is not enjoyable for me at all. In fact, I was going to just straight up avoid it, and I typically do avoid it, but I think the running back conversation is so fascinating. But as I'm going through this, and, and I, I feel awful that my first thought was, Man, if he played any other position, he would have had a much better career. And he would have been, he would have a much better... I mean, everyone that knows the NFL knows Alex Collins. Everyone knows him. We all knew him because he obviously played against us for a, a few seasons. And in Baltimore in that 2017 season, he was really pretty good. There's no other way to put it. He was really pretty good. Nearly 1,000 yards in on the ground. Average, you know, 4.6 yards a pop. That's a, that's a really good NFL year. But he just what happened to him is what happened to every running back. It feels like you have a good year at age twenty three, age twenty four, and then you just get discarded, and you just get you just get tossed aside, and it's just kind of the result. Baltimore went nine and seven that year. They finished second in the AFC North that season. He was the leading rusher by a mile, by an absolute country mile. But that's not, I hate it. Just need you guys to know that. A lot of people like the death shows. Apparently, that's what Francesa talks about. I, I, I absolutely, I cannot stand it. Not in the slightest bit. I hated doing the Jim Brown show. Back when Jim Brown passed away, that's what I, I was. A, I believe it was a Friday night, if memory serves me right. And I remember thinking, I got to. I only got to do one show on this, and then I get to just wipe my hands clean of doing a doing the five hours in memoriam that i just absolutely dread. I don't think there's an easy way to talk about it. I don't think there's a comfortable way to talk about it. I think even if you're talking about someone that you greatly admire and you greatly look up to, I think even that can get a little dicey at times because ultimately it is such a it's such a delicate situation and it really should be treated with kid gloves. But then there's a part of me that looks around and I'm like, "Well, okay, Someone like Alex Collins is known by everyone in the NFL, and he was so good in the college game too. You remember him at Arkansas. I know you remember him at Arkansas. Maybe it's because I was paying more attention to the college game at that point too. There was a time in my life where I really paid attention to college football. When I was working for a network, I was doing a a Saturday college football show. It was me and Sean Salisbury, and it rotated through. So Some years it wasn't Sean, but it was Sean more than it wasn't. And it was me, Sean, and a couple other people that were, uh, you know, analysts. And, and I, but I was the lead guy. I was driving the bus, right? And it was basically like Red Zone. It was like the radio version of Red Zone for college football. And so we'd pop into all these different places across the country. We'd pop into Alabama. And we'd pop into Georgia. And we'd go to the guys on the field. And then we'd turn around, and I'd be back in the studio. And and we'd all be talking about the different plays and the different situations that happened. He was unreal at Arkansas. 2015, he ran for nearly 1,600 yards. Never had fewer than a thousand yards. He was just really, really good. And I think the people that remember those Arkansas teams the most, I think you remember. It wasn't really 2015 when he was actually the best he'd ever been. I think you remember him a little bit earlier than that, because it was it was him and it was Jonathan Williams, and collectively together that was their offense. You had Brandon Allen at quarterback. And that man was I mean we know Brandon Allen cuz he's went on to do some things but uh he was not the most accurate quarterback you'd ever seen but it was Jonathan Williams it was Alex Collins and that was like their one two threat that was that was what they did And they weren't a particularly great team but the run game was so good you just had to you had to watch Arkansas football it was like a throwback more than it was anything else So I don't know anyway sometimes you just it's it's odd to me Uh, that uh, some people can, you know, enjoy that part of sports radio. And for me, I'm like, uh, get me away from that. But uh, obviously thoughts and and condolences out to the family of Alex Collins. It's one of the big news, big things that's happening tonight across the NFL as people are talking about how tragic this is. And and we don't know too many details at this point. And I don't want to speculate on too many details at that point. It's just, it's a name you guys know because he played for Baltimore, had a really good season with Baltimore, the six touchdowns, nearly 1,000 yards. And he had that that end zone dance that he had, the Irish dance that he used to do after every single score. There's certain things you remember about Alex Collins. Stands out to you in a certain way. So anyway, (sighs) sad. All right, let's talk about Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson was not sad. Deshaun Watson was everything I wanted him to be and then some. I don't know that it's a good thing. That I feel better about Watson and I feel better about the season right now, but I really do. This is another feather in the cap of the I don't let the preseason sway me crowd, but it was pretty undeniable that when it came to looking comfortable, Deshaun looked comfortable. I made a whole case on that alone. The idea that what I wanted to see out of him was him looking comfortable in the pocket, him looking like he wasn't seeing ghosts out there, him looking like the game wasn't too fast for him. That's all I really wanted. I would have been a happy person, and I am a happy person, because that's all I really needed to see. And some people are getting on me a little bit, and they're they're getting on some of the comments I've made about Deshaun Watson in that game. They're like, but Jonathan, threw for 12 yards. I know. Why is your for six yards? He had the Aikens uh, for five yards to the right side, and Joku for a yard, which probably should have gone for way more. For some reason, it looked like David and Joku was running in the mud. I don't know how that ended up happening, but it ended up happening. He threw for a total of 12 yards, and he rushed for 20. Now, historically, he averaged 35 yards a game rushing. So to have 20 in one drive is not what we're typically going to see. I know, here's the bothersome thing. I know a lot of you guys watch that, and you're going to put it back in week three and be like, why isn't Deshaun running like he ran in the preseason? I think Deshaun knew the offense was going to be dumbed down. It was not going to be very difficult to run, and it was not going to be very impressive to run either. I think he thought, I have to impress people. I'm going to impress people. So what I'm going to do is do it with my feet. And I know that's a dangerous thing to think in a preseason game, but I think that's what he thought. I think he also understood that he couldn't get sacked. One of the rare complaints that people had with Deshaun Watson when he was in Houston, he led the league in sacks one year. He continually got sacked 40 to 50 times a season. And last year, even in the six games that he had with us, He kept running into defensive linemen. At least it felt like that, and he kept getting sacked. Felt like he'd have a couple good plays, he'd get sacked, and the whole momentum would just be done. And I think with Deshaun, we got to focus on those type of things. He had zero sacks in that game. He looked comfortable. He looked poised. He looked everything you would want for Deshaun Watson to look like. So I do feel a lot better. I really do. I feel significantly better after game two than I did entering game two. And I'm trying to figure out whether or not I can make that a thing. 216474 to below 92. Do you feel better about Watson in the season after watching him in preseason game number two? I am the first to tell you, don't make that big of a deal about what you see in the preseason. But I don't know how you can't make a big deal out of that. Because the only thing I was looking for, I wasn't looking for completions. I wasn't looking for, you know, Justin Fields, for instance, had 150 yards throw him, three touchdowns on, or two touchdowns on three passes. Uh, unreal performance for Justin Fields. I wasn't looking for that. I didn't need a bunch of numbers. I didn't need a bunch of touchdowns. I just needed him to look special. And you know what? He looked special. Two one six four seven four to below 92. Did Deshaun look like the quarterback that you traded for? At Jay Peterlin on Twitter. Twitter reactions brought to you by our friends at Scheiben Jewelers. Cleveland's premier jewelry store we will do it all next. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Off the beaten path coming your way at 10 o'clock right here on The Fan. All righty, back into here on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. We'll get to Off the beaten path coming up at 10 o'clock. Question I have for you right now, 216474 to 92. Do you feel better about Watson and the season now? Because personally I do. I made a whole case on the idea that I just needed to see Deshaun Watson look comfortable. That's really all I was after. And if that was the test, he passed it with flying colors. There's no other way to put it. He was absolutely fantastic in preseason game number two, even when you look at his stat line and it shows that he threw for a whopping 12 yards and rushed for a whopping 20. It's like he had 32 yards from scrimmage, and I'm over here acting like he was it was a Hall of Fame performance. But honestly, I just it's what I needed to see. But tell me, am I off my rocker? You let me know. A- am I hitting this one 275 right down the middle, or am I banana slicing this one off to the right-hand side into the trees? I'm curious what you guys think. Because honestly, we spent a lot of time on Kate York. I, I thought today was going to be dominated by how good Deshaun Watson looked. It, it surprised me that it wasn't the conversation. I know, you know Ken and Anthony did a little bit of it in the main slot at 7 o'clock earlier today. So there was an emphasis on it for sure. But it was not the parade that I thought it was going to be for Deshaun Watson. I, I can't tell you how over the moon I was on Friday night. I legitimately went to bed thinking, well, that should satisfy every Browns fan. Don't know how you could be a Browns fan and not be happy with that. He looked special. He looked different. He looked, it wasn't flawless, but he looked about as good as you could under those circumstances, and I know he didn't throw a ball 20 yards. He didn't throw a deep ball 35 yards to Elijah Moore and had that connection blossom before our very eyes. Didn't happen. He got Elijah Moore for six, Jordan Aikens for five, David Njoku for one. That's it. But this was what I needed to see. Watson seeming like the offseason did him a world of good against a really good Washington D line, as evidenced by what happened with Jedrick Wills. That's what I needed. And I got it. I've always said anytime I've done any of those radio hits across the country, hey, they bring you on and then they all they all ask the same question. And so for five months, I basically gave the same answer. <laughs> I did not I didn't vary too much from it, but it's one I believed in, and it's one I thought would uh, you know, satiate. You know, 93-7 the fan in Pittsburgh when I go on there. Not to call them out or anything like that. It's just an easy answer. You give it and you go, right? And so, they'd ask, well, what's going to be different about Deshaun Watson this year? Why is it going to be different? Simple answer was always, because he's had a year, an off season where he actually could train, and he wasn't worried about whether he was going to be wearing an orange prison suit. He knew he was going to be wearing orange and brown for a football uniform. Something about the psyche attached to that matters. We talk about the mental game not nearly enough when we talk about football. It's been a lot on our minds right now because of Cade York, and I think what he's going through is mental. But with Deshaun Watson, I have no idea how you could have expected him to be great when he spent the entire offseason leading into that last year, worried about whether he'd even see the field and worried about whether he'd end up in prison. That's got to weigh on you big time. You know how hard it would be to wake up, do your job, you know, and be practicing and be training when you legitimately don't know if you're getting up and just wasting your time. That would take an amount of discipline that it would be incredibly hard. Like if you told me, let's let's say for instance, I got fired from this job for whatever reason. I got fired from this job, didn't know if I was ever going to do radio again. Had to make money somehow, though. Had no idea if I was doing radio ever again, and was expected to wake up and do a radio show every day for free for three months to make sure that I stayed sharp. I've known a lot of people in this industry, a lot of people in this business. I've never met anyone that just wakes up, does radio shows for free for three hours a day to make sure that they're sharp. Doesn't happen. Not a thing. So how could I possibly put those expectations on someone like Deshaun Watson when on top of that, he also didn't know if he was actually ever going to play again, mixed with the idea that he didn't know if he was going to be playing with whatever team Adam Sandler was on in the longest yard. Did they have a name for the prison team in Adam Sandler with the the longest yard?
1: Mean Machine. Mean Mush. Sorry. I have that jersey, though.
0: Mean Machine. It's called Mean Machine? Yeah, that's why I was doing that. Great poll by you. I didn't I didn't know it. I I have seen both versions of the longest yard. And you could have given me a million dollars, I would not have been able to I, hold I think it's just the Adam Sandler one. It's just me and Machine. I don't think they the, didn't have it in the original? You know, I've seen it once and I'm like, you know what? I prefer the funny one with Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> that opening scene's a lot different, JP. It's yeah. a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> Most things with Adam Sandler are a lot different, if we're being honest about it. Yeah. I so I, I. it's what I always told people though. I was like, he's gonna get he mentally he's gotta be right. Mentally he's gotta get his head straight. He has. He has. What I love the most, and I wish I wish I had this thought earlier. I'd have the audio for you guys ready and handy to go. I promise I'll get that for you guys later on. There was something with Deshaun Watson earlier, and I, I can't remember what show I heard it on. Boy, did I spend a lot of time listening to the station today. I think it was the morning show. They, they played a clip of Deshaun Watson, and Deshaun, after the game, sounded like, of course, I didn't have... The yips. Of course, I, I was ready to play in that game, which is not how he sounded a week and a half ago. It didn't sound that way a week and a half ago, or even a week ago. He definitely questioned what he would look like. But what I loved with that game was you could just see. You could see the confidence. You could see the the game was on slow speed. It was, it was the setting where... uh like, you know how you can speed up your your iPhone in order to go like one and a half or two? Which, by the way, I would not recommend doing an overtime with Jonathan Petelman. We go fast enough on the current speed. We don't need to go one and a half or two speed, okay? It would be like if you could reverse that and go to the negative side of things. That's what Deshaun Watson was playing on. Like, negative two speed. The game looked easy to him. I know he was only out there for a drive, but you looked up and he was already at the 20-yard line. He's already in the red zone. We're like, we just started this thing. How did he already make the, these type of moves? How did he get here? That's what I needed to see out of Deshaun Watson. Zero sacks. Where it felt like last year he kept walking into sacks and taking them as if they were a BOGO for on Groupon. I know it's not supposed to matter, but the way he looked and the way he was moving, it just had me buying in that the Browns are on the right track. All right, we got to get to a training camp report because I got more good things about Deshaun Watson I want to tell you. This training camp report, powered by our good friends over there at Classic Ford and Classic Chevy in Mentor. Great people over there, fantastic people over there at Classic Ford and Classic Chevy in Menor. Elliot Shore Parks is going to be on afternoon drive tomorrow. You want to listen to that? He is the guy that uh, basically went after Cleveland. I've known of Elliot Shore Parks for a while. To say he's a troll would be an understatement fine. He's very good at what he does. He's very good at getting people riled up. He's very good at uh, at you know basically riling up the masses and then getting people to to follow him really quickly and then get there for the updates and then go back to being a normal human being. But I think he's very good at what he does. I really do. I got a lot of respect for the reporting that he does. He had an Eagles versus Browns win loss practice verdict, and, and again, this is 24 hours after he accused the Browns of being basically a very unserious franchise as they would say in secession, with the Roy family. Quote, surprised how much the offense struggled. He's talking for the Eagles here. Offensive, he means offense, didn't get much of anything going, had one, two deep completions, but honestly, I think they were sacks in the game. Hurts didn't have much time to work from the pocket. On defense, they de- they definitely got to Watson a few times, but lots of open receivers. Best deep pass of the day was by Watson. Also surprising how the Browns seemed to be the more energized team. Last year in Cleveland, it was Eagles. Browns came into this practice fired up. Verdict, Browns win. So by his, uh, it's almost like a boxing standpoint. That's why I can't stand boxing judges. Because boxing judges, it's just so, you you can score at home. And everyone can score it differently. I always thought, and I know that you're like, but Jonathan, that's very similar to what you have in home plate umpires, ball strikes. Yeah, that's not a perfect system either. Okay, like there's a reason why they're going to be, re- be replaced by, ump, uh, by robot umps at some point. Like, it's, it's wild to me that this is how we do things, but this is how we do things. So he's, he's doing it like a boxing match, where he's scoring by himself, he's keeping track for himself, and he says the Browns won. But the best part about this to me is that on defense, they got to Watson a few times, but there was a ton of open receivers, and he had the best deep pass of the day. We did not see the deep pass at, at all with Deshaun Watson in preseason game number two. But we also, when you watch the plays that he had, because Stefanski dumbed it down so much, we didn't have a lot of open receivers everywhere either. That's why he was checked down Charlie for Deshaun Watson. Uh, One of the few really exciting things for me that I have going into this year, I shouldn't say a few, there's a lot. A lot of exciting things, but in regards to Kevin Stefanski and his play calling, I think he's going to be able to get the most out of Deshaun in the area that I've always seen Stefanski be able to dial open receivers with his scheming, it's an underrated part of what he does. He gets a lot of receivers open now with the quarterback hit. Those receivers with the Baker years that was a different story, you know. That it was just it was harder, but I, I believe that's why he's able to make guys like Baker and guys like Jacoby have those years like he did with Baker in 2021 and like he did with Jacoby uh, last year, where Jacoby at one point was that that was a top five NFL offense in points per game at one point in the season. Why he's able to do that is because he's able to scheme these receivers open and often. So if he was getting a lot of guys open today, that's the best news imaginable for the Browns in my estimation. Now, the the hard part with training camp today, as good as that was, we had a lot of injuries today. Miles Garrett had a foot injury. They showed him walking around afterwards signing autographs for kids. I imagine he'll be okay because it seemed all right. Denzel Ward was an illness, which seemed odd because I don't know if he just started practice and then, I don't know, what had bubble guts or something. I had no idea. We'll find out more about that tomorrow. And then Jack Conklin. This is the big one, guys. Jack Conklin had a head injury and he was being checked for a concussion. We don't know what that is or isn't yet. But the, the satisfying part of this, even though we don't take a lot into preseason football, if Dewan Jones has to be your starting right tackle... I don't feel like we're missing a ton like we did in previous years when it was like Chris Hubbard as the swing tackle. I don't I feel like Dewan Jones can step in and even though Jack Conklin's a pro bowler, got paid the bag, is obviously very very good, I know there's a drop off, but based off of what we've seen, I don't think that drop off is as large as people think it is at this point. And that's what I love about this. The idea that we actually have a competent backup if need be. No, no disrespect to Chris Hubbard or anyone like that. But when Conklin was out, it was an absolute disaster at times from that perspective. Now the line was still good because you have so many good players. Wyatt Teller, Joe Petoni is going to end up in the hall if he just basically duplicates what he did the you know the previous six years and does it again. Like it's there is a lot of really good things about that offensive line. DeWan Jones being there and being able to be uh a formidable force, if need be, fantastic move. Fantastic addition for the Browns so far. And this training camp report, powered by Lake Tech Information Technology Services and Bud White. We leave that there. We come on back. We'll bring McKenzie in the mix. We'll go off the beaten path. It's Overtime with Jonathan Peteland here with you on The Fan.